Okay, here we go. Chicago Brothers Bear Show midweek edition. Bears, Chargers on Sunday night football. It is the era of one tea bag, Andre. That is what I'm calling them now. Tea bag, not secret Bajent man, no Bajent 17. It is tea bag or tea baggins if you want to go full Hobbit style. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are ready for Sunday night. Andre, how are you feeling midweek? Getting ready? It's prime time. Like it's a prime time game. It's a big it's a big deal for us because I think this will be a good test, test for the team. You know, last time we were in prime time, we did actually do pretty well. And so we have another prime time game, and you've got a rookie quarterback. How is he gonna play in prime time? How are the Bears gonna respond? Can they, God forbid, put two wins in a row? That would be great. The first in the Nagy era, or not Nagy, <laughs> my ghost of Nagy is coming back. First in the Eberflus era of back-to-back wins. That's, right. yeah, that's insane to, you're two years to coach and you haven't had back-to-back wins. So I've had many back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back losses. Yeah, uh, many, so many losses. So let's hope that It's a that plethora can, of losses. Can we just get two wins in a row, please? Yes. Yeah, and and... You know, the Bears go into this game an eight-and-a-half-point dog, right? Yeah. With yeah. a Chargers team that has not played particularly well, right? They've yeah. been in some games. They find ways to lose games, right? However, and I think one of the things that has been the key to L.A.'s, and I'm, I'm going to – I'm trying not to say San Diego, but it's so burnt in memory from the last couple of decades, but the Chargers uh, – malfunctions this year is really been injuries man they lose mike williams right so your star receiver goes down they lose their star center right you've got justin herbert with a broken finger on his non-throwing hand which obviously seems to be affecting him right and now uh josh palmer who is one of the you know the other receivers who's kind of in that role of filling in for williams is did not practice today with a knee injury, right? Yeah. So the Chargers are about just as beat up as the Bears going into this game with similar records. Now, I will say the Chargers probably have had a more difficult schedule, but an eight-and-a-half-point dog for the Bears on the road, I mean, that's, that's rough, dude. No, I, Chargers, I think, have a better roster. I think the Chargers have a more established quarterback. The Chargers are playing at home. I think all these things factor into and somehow maybe people get right from playing the Bears. So I think you got a little bit of history on your side, on the Chargers side. I think you got a little clear quarterback uh, differentiator, which is a big factor. You are playing at home. Well, you know, we're, we're going to you know talk about really if that's a home field advantage or not, but technically you're playing in SoFi. And it's just one of those things where, you know, the Bears are also – kind of beat up, you know, so. Um, yeah, and the Bears injury report, the Thursday injury report is out. Um, Jaquan Brisker out with an illness. I hope he did not catch mono from Terrell Smith. That would <laughs> suck. Oh, my God, that would suck. Uh, Nate Davis still out with the ankle. Uh, Dan Feeney was limited today. Eddie Jackson was limited today. Braxton Jones Coming back from the neck injury was limited today. Darnell Wright with the shoulder injury, also limited today. Also as a toe, which I think got stepped on in the yeah. last game. Um, so that could be part of the toe injury. The one person we did get back is Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson was full go today. Uh, all indications are that he will be available Sunday night. Um, yeah. And obviously we got Justin still out with the thumb injury. Andre, the, one of the things we talked about in the win over the Raiders was the fact that the defense was getting healthy again and we were seeing improvements, right? Yeah. Yep. But now we're seeing a possibility that Brisker and Eddie Jackson may not be in, right? You've got Terrell Smith, who's your fourth corner, right? Is still going to be out. Like, here it comes, the injury bug again. Do you think that these injuries are going to, obviously, if these guys don't play, like, is this a 
oh shit, here we go again. We're going to get blown up on third down. Or do you feel like Iberflus has kind of got the team going in a better direction to maybe overcome some of this? Um, if Jaquan Brisker can't play, that's a big deal. I, I, we can't have both out. So we can have Eddie play and maybe someone else filling for Jaquan. Jaquan plays and Eddie can't play like last week. You can't have both these guys out. That's a big that's a big deal in how we play and how we blitz, how we pressure, and even how we cover. So I think um Jaquan, if he if he can't go, hopefully he just I, I don't know what what God, I hope it's not mono, but uh whatever it is, hopefully he just gets he recovers from it and he's good to go. Like if it's just an illness, maybe he can, you know, if it's the flu, maybe he just needs some liquids or some IVs or whatever. He just recovers. So having them both out is, 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 is kind of a questionable part, but then again, you're looking at, see, this is the thing. What would we say for Minnesota? Justin Jefferson's not there. Like we got to change and doesn't help. You got to have your, you got to have your dogs on the field. Like you got to have the guys playing on the field. I mean, it doesn't matter who you, if we, if we can't beat a Minnesota team without Justin Jefferson, then I don't care. They don't have Mike, Mike Williams. You know what I mean? So I just, these, we can't have like, I mean, it is what it is like, but I mean, like you're looking at essentially, you don't want your two starting offensive tackles also on the injury report, you know, like hopefully you get one back, but you might lose one. So it's one of these things where we're going to see what happens and who can play on the field. And hopefully Jaquan can be on the field. Um, hopefully it's not serious. And then, you know, obviously we'd love to get Terrell Smith back uh, and get him some more reps. Cause I think he was, he was on the uptick, man. He was doing great. And then, you know, Roshan, I think would be a great uh, to bring him back. would be really good to help split time uh, with Deontay Foreman. I just hope that he, you know, all the, concussion stuff he passed like i don't know if he's passed all the tests yet yeah i think you know all signs are pointing to him being back sunday and not to say that darrington evans didn't have a big game right no he was great he was he played really well and you know had 30 plus yards called back on stupid ass penalties yeah right like i mean so i'm not super concerned if roshan can't go but i think roshan's ability to pass block will help because the chargers line with Mac and Bosa and uh, the rookie Tui, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce his last name, but has been playing really well. And you've got to be able to protect Bajent if you're going to go up against this team because the thing that Bajent did really well and the Bears did really well as a whole was they limited the negative plays that weren't penalties, right? Like they only took one set. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There was a lot of third and short. And if you're in these third and longs and the Chargers, you know, line can just yeah. load up on you. Yeah, you obviously want a back that can block. I'm just afraid that someone just basically slaps Roshan Johnson in the head or he himself puts his head into Bose's chest to try to block him and he gets concussed again. Like I'm just – he's got a history of this and he literally – he just put his head down in a run and it was, I mean, one of the loudest collisions I've heard all year from the Bears and next thing you know, he's – Cost. Yeah, so, took an absolute shot, right? And well, he he del- he himself also tried to deliver the shot. So it was like a mutual, oh, you want to get some, and he just dropped his head down, and he's got to learn to. So we're gonna see. Like these are one of those things where hopefully he's gonna be okay and he can withstand it. But um, and we're, we'll find out. But it'd be nice if he's healthy and he can stay healthy through the game. Yes, he's a valuable asset in pass protection. And you're right. We we just got to be careful. Well, we're getting kind of into like you know, the keys of the game here, but um, yeah, yeah, we're going to well, see, let's, we're just going to see for God's sakes, just please no more. Yeah. Like, no we, more. This list should not get any longer. At please this point, don't right? get bigger. You no, know, and look. the reason I bring up Roshan and his ability to pass block is because we see two key injuries on the offensive line, right? Nate Davis still out with the ankle. Yeah. And it looks like Darnell Wright is still, you know, he's limited. His shoulder is his left shoulder is I did not look good. I mean, there were snaps against the Raiders where he was basically playing with one arm, right? Yeah. Um, and then his toe got stepped on, and now he's, you know, he may be a little gimpy with a foot. <laughs> I it's mean, it's like, an offensive lineman. Yeah, it's it's the life of a, a trench warrior. 
Uh, you're going to get stepped on, leg, leg whipped and stuff. And I honestly feel, unfortunately, I think he hurt his arm when he was trying to tackle the uh, fumble return against the Vikings. I think he's laid out to try to get the guy on the sideline. I think that's when he hurt his right arm, if I remember the play. Uh, it's just unfortunate because you're like, it's a boneheaded play that gets compounded with a non-needed injury along with it. Um, yeah, and then it looked like he tripped over Tevin Jenkins at some point against the Raiders and kind of re-aggravated it. Yeah, I mean, so, it's just, now it's always going to maybe be in question. And so we'll see, man. Like, we just got to hold up the best we can. And he's a trooper right now. And then hopefully Braxton Jones can potentially come back. And if not, you know, then you say, hey, do you move Borum over and basically give Darnell right shoulder a rest? Um, or do you have, like, switch time? Like, you know, you take a quarter, I take a quarter, like they did with Jenkins when they brought him back. We're going to see. We're going to see what happens. Yeah, and it's very likely that if Braxton Jones can go, and he's a full go, that Darnell Wright may suit up, but you may see Borum in at right tackle and then Darnell used if, like, Braxton can't go kind of thing. Um, and I think what it is is it kind of depends on, obviously, how he's going to feel over the next couple of days. I would be surprised if Darnell Wright actually practices tomorrow. Yeah, um, I have a feeling there it's kind of let's see what you can do give you another day of rest to heal it up so you don't put any more strain on it. And then, you know, game yeah, yeah. time decision probably, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, which, we'll you know, see. this the Bears team, we you know, we've said consistently throughout the season is not a deep team, right? So the injury bug is obviously going to affect you more than it might other teams. And as you put, like, we just cannot afford any more injuries, right? Um, you know, there's been – way too frequent we had all those dudes with the hamstrings early on right now we've got two guys out with illnesses i mean just just look at this look at the current the current injury report you've got brisker starter davis starter justin field starter eddie jackson starter roshan johnson you can make a claim starter braxton jones starter uh and then you got darnell wright starter you got seven out of your 22 starters either not going to be able to play at all or they're not practicing or they're on the injury report. Yeah, you so got that's, a third of your starting lineup. <laughs> I mean, so th- this is just the facts. Like, you know, you don't – and I'm and, and I think what helps the Bears and generally this is a trend across the league. I think if you looked at a lot of injury reports across teams, a lot of people are nicked up right now. So, um, you know, it's, you know, like they say, you got to step up and play and the next guy comes up and plays and, hey, this week – these last couple of weeks, we've been doing it. Um, you know, uh, can we can we do it again? This is the consistency thing we always harp on. Yeah, and, and can we do it again? Kind of leads into you know our keys for the game, right? Um, yeah. So I, you know, I took the 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 first shot at it last time. I'm going to let you give it the first shot at it this time. What is it that you're looking for in this game in terms of the key things to watch for? Yeah, it's. Number one is the game plan for Bajan. So how do we game plan against Bosa and Khalil Mack and their defense? Uh, that means executing the run. Like, can we can we run the ball? And then do we have, like, are we asking Bajan to throw passes deep? Are we asking him to be a little bit more dynamic? Uh, so basically the game pl- – I want to see the game plan with Bajan. That might involve heavy run, play action, screen, uh, more short, quick passes, build his confidence. So very similar to what we saw against the Raiders. Nice to see maybe a little bit more of a downfield shots, you know, because the Raiders are susceptible to that, right? They give up very big plays uh, this year. So we might we might find vulnerability there, but can we can we execute on that? So that's the key number one for me. Obviously, number two is who's going to be available on defense. Like if we got to have these back end players. Like, can we stop? We got to stop Eckler. Like, we got to stop the run and make Justin Herbert beat us, which he could, but at least you can live with that. You can't be, you can't live with basically Justin Herbert playing off play action, eating you alive. And then the number three thing is we've got to, at this point, turnovers. Again, it's very clear that once the Bears or any team, especially teams that are, I mean, if you look at a lot of the upsets, because the Bears are not favored. So a lot of the upsets are all based on turnovers. So the team, no matter how good you are, if you turn the ball over, look what happened with San Francisco as an example. Um, 
you know, you've got a shot at victory. So turnovers, game plan, can the Bears – who's going to start on the Bears defense? Can they stop Eckler? Yeah, and I'm, and I'm with you on the turnovers, right? Like that that is obviously – when you're playing a team that is quote-unquote better than you, right? If you lose the turnover battle, 99% chance you're not winning that game, right? You've yeah. got to win the turnover <laughs> battle to get the upset. Good. Right, like you're yeah. not setting yourself up for success. So the turnovers no. was on my list as well. Right? I got another one if you don't say it. So we'll just I'll let you so say your stuff. But I got another one. My second one is while the Chargers offense has not been maybe as high scoring as people have predicted or seen historically, the Bears need to keep the Chargers offense off the field. Right. We dominated time of possession against the Raiders. So for me, it's going to be avoiding the three and outs, right? Because with Bajant, I don't think the Bears have the firepower to get into a shootout, right? And I think the Chargers can score, not necessarily at will, but can put up a good number of points, right? However, if you can keep Justin Herbert and company on the sidelines, and maybe you're not necessarily scoring on every play, but you're eating the clock, right? And you limit the number of possessions that they have. You can keep it close, right? And uh, that's going to involve, like you said, you can't turn the ball over and it's going to be, you know, making yourself in third and manageable. I think, you know, we saw the Bears last week consistently third and three, third and four, third and two, right? And if you get in these third and longs, Mac and Bosa are going to just eat you up and then, you know, you're, you're three and out and your defense will get gassed towards the end of the game. So the time of possession is the second thing. The third one for me has to be the Chargers have not been very good running the ball this year, right? Eckler's a very good running back, but they have not done a very good job running the ball. The Bears' run defense right now is top five in the league. Yeah. You've got to maintain that, right? You've got to make the Chargers one-dimensional and force Herbert to beat you with a receiving core that is dinged up, right? Not to say you can't do it, but it allows your team and the defense and Matt Eberflus to kind of dial up more of these blitzes, you know, get maybe into some more man coverage with the corners, which they seem to do really well. Jalen Johnson is a very good man cover uh, corner, and Tyreek Stevenson has shown also his ability – to yeah. go, you yeah, know, pass interference. Man, to, to get, catch a flag. But, you know, and then you've got, you know, uh, Kyler Gordon, right? Spider-Man in the slot. So the Bears yeah. cover corners, I think, can hang with these Chargers receivers in man coverage and force Herbert to make some throws to beat you, which might then cause a turnover, right? Or you just, or you play into the Tampa 2 defense, right? Check down, check down, check down. Uh, check to the tight end, check to the running back. Like you basically don't allow them this explosive plays and you do what Tampa two does. You just basically want to keep them down. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's gotta be what you gotta do. You know, just keep it, keep it close, right? Keep it close. Yeah. Give yourself a chance to win. So on that note, uh, that is, you know, the keys to the game, but joining us now is the man Herb Howard from it's the bigs. Herb, how you doing? My guy. I'm feeling real good. I'm feeling real good. How y'all doing? We're we're hey, doing, we're doing good, man. Uh, just kind of talking about the the game plan uh, against the Chargers. Kind of you know keep those third and shorts. And I think you know we saw that against the Raiders a bunch, right? Like those third and two, third and three, third and fours to kind of keep it manageable with Bajent, right? Um, you know, obviously we you know the Chargers got a whole another week of tape to go through and kind of watch that nickel and dime offense that gets he put together for last week. And we're seeing like, hey, if you can keep it third and manageable and keep Herbert off the field, you know, not get these three and outs consistently, the defense won't get his gas later on. And, and especially with now it looks like Jaquan maybe 50-50 and, yeah. you know, Eddie's still still fighting. So, you know, that that's for us is, is kind of like what we're looking at. Um, I know – are you traveling out to L.A. for this one? Indeed, I'll be there. Indeed. So, uh, I, as you know, you were down in, in Tampa, right? And and we were talking. And, mm-hmm. and Andre, I know you want to know, 
Bears fans travel really well, right? Like so so yeah. what do you what are you predicting in terms of like percentage of Bears fans being in SoFi? Oh, uh, the Bears fans that like you said, they always travel very, very well. I expect nothing less uh this week out there in LA. I think that, you know, you talk about LA being the city that it is, it's a lot of transplants, not a whole lot of diehards there. You talk about the charges having come come down from San Diego and so or come up from San Diego. So I think that's a, a little bit of a different situation. Um but I think a lot of Bears fans, I don't know how to put a number on it. I'd say 35, 40% will be Bears fans, at least maybe as much as 50% will be Bears fans. But I do know for sure. Well, the you know, the stadium. And so uh, it's important for the Bears to come out and start fast and start well. And like you said, stay ahead of those. About, you know, what they're able to do on first about what we do on third down, but it's also about that complimentary football and the defense. And the keeping game, all those things go together that allow them to continue to stay in positions where they can play that one down style they feel the most comfortable with with the quarterback. Yeah. So, so Herb, it was good to talk to you again. And uh, I remember we, we were down in Tampa and talking about yeah. that. Like, I remember you you mentioned the um, – you've been in SoFi before, so just – you know, kind of refresh us on what you really liked about the stadium and going and what are you looking forward to doing when you get there? Oh, man, it's palatial, man. It's an absolutely beautiful stadium. I think they've done a masterful job at blending an indoor uh, indoor arena with this kind of outside feel, right? There's a roof on it, but they're able to open up the walls in a way that still lets you kind of feel like you're outside. And so uh, I think they've done a great job with that stadium. It's absolutely gorgeous inside and outside. I'm looking forward to just being in there again uh, the first time I was in, I actually got, I got stuck in there for like 45 minutes or so after the game, just trying to leave out of there because it was so big. And I think that that was actually the first time that they had had fans in the stadium because the season before they opened it, but that was the COVID season. So the, the, all the staff and stuff, they didn't know how to necessarily get people <laughs> out of there either. And so I was like, how do we get out of here? They're like, man, I don't know, right? And so my, my <laughs> guy and I literally walked around that place for about 45 minutes. But no, I'm looking forward to getting out there. Got some friends in LA, so I get out there on Saturday catch up with them, maybe have a dinner, uh, a dinner and some cocktails or something until Sunday night game. So that gave me plenty of time to get my life together and get over to the stadium. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah that's awesome, man. Yeah, so I know, Herb, you mentioned, uh, you know, earlier staying ahead of the change, right? And yeah. we're looking at this injury report, right? Obviously, Nate Davis doesn't look like he's going to go. His ankle's still jacked up. And now you got Darnell with the shoulder and, I guess, the toe that got stepped on, right? Yeah. Like, if if Braxton Jones is back on the left side, do you see a situation where they might kick Borm back over to the right side to give Darnell a week? But if they do, like, how much is it going to affect this running game, right? We saw Deontay Foreman have a monster game last week, right? And even, you know, Darrington Evans had a big game, which 30 or 40 yards called back on, you know, terrible penalties, yeah. right? Yeah. But, like, to me, those two injuries are going to be brutal if if – we're trying to keep ahead of the chains. Yeah, no, those are significant injuries. I think that, you know, if, if, if Braxton Jones is able to come back and go, that's certainly something that you want to see happen. I think Larry Borm filled in uh, relatively well for him in the time that he's been out, but you certainly want him to get back in there and kind of continue to improve, continue on, on the trajectory he had been on. Darnell Wright's probably been their best offensive lineman. That's all, all respect to Tevin Jenkins, but Tevin Jenkins missed some time early on. And so just having shown up in Ashton DeBell, uh, each and every game, Donald Wright has been there for them. And I think that it was admirable the way he was able to kind of tough through last week. There was some 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 tape and watching the All-22 where you can kind of see he's out there playing with one arm. And you can tell how it was bothering him, but he still pushed through and was able to perform pretty well uh, in that game. That being said, uh, if he can't go, then that's Larry Warren's job. That's what the swing tackle does. And so the, one week yeah. it might be left tackle, the next week it might be right tackle. That's what the swing tackle uh, requires of him. And I think that uh, they'll need him to perform uh, fairly well against this team, even more so than last week. We got Max Crosby, obviously, but there wasn't anybody to kind of match with that. You talk about the Chargers, they have, you know, they've got Bosa in addition to Mack, and they, they, they've also got a young kid that, that, that gets after it pretty good, too. So yeah. um, they, need, they, they need to be as healthy as possible on this offensive line. It's a shame they haven't been able to get any continuity up front. So, Herb, I was thinking about, you know, I was going to ask you the question, like, how do you think, like, 
and you've been around the building, but, you know, talk to the, maybe some of the players or the staff and, and just kind of ask the questions. How concerned are the Bears about Darnell's shoulder? Like, are they are they thinking this is something they're just going to have to manage all year? Uh, maybe just see how he goes, or is this something that that could potentially, if they keep playing, it might just really make it make it worse. Yeah, I think you know I'm, they have to be concerned about it. I'm, I, I, they haven't, they won't come out and say that to us. They won't make that a public statement if they have a, a great concern about it. One because you don't necessarily want the opposing team to to, to think there's a weakness there, but also. Um, you got to have to start to have some concern about the, the long-term health of it. And listen, you talk about trying to get right during the middle of the NFL season, the offensive line, that's not a real thing, right? Especially you talk about having to constantly punch and you got to match these great athletes that play defensive end and pass rusher in this league. And so uh, he's going to have to use that arm and use that shoulder to stop these pass rushes. And so that's not going to allow that thing to heal in the middle of the season. So I think yeah. that what's going to have to happen is, and then you want them to be tough. You want them to be able to push through it. I'm sure that's that's what you want from an offensive lineman. And that's that Chicago mentality that you want to see from him. But I think if you get much deeper into the season and the record continues to uh, go downward, then you got to consider maybe we need to go ahead and shut him down and, and explore surgical options or explore, you know, just resting and, and getting the strength back in that thing so he's ready to go uh, come, come training camp next year you definitely don't want this thing to be something that lingers into next season so if the bears aren't contending uh or late then you probably see him get shut down because i don't see any way that he's able he's going to be able to improve that shoulder during the middle of the season yeah yeah and and you know one of the things that and, and andre and i have brought this up you know in our earlier episodes this season right obviously you know all the talk centered around justin but was about developing kind of the young talent on the team and if you got a guy who has obviously shown that he can play at this level and play well, right? Mm-hmm. If your right tackle is left shoulders down, right? That's that that inside post arm that you get that leverage yeah. to prevent that cut inside, right? If he can't go, right, why are you trying to exacerbate a problem, right, and potentially, like, stunt his growth and development, you know, by keep throwing him out there? I get that the reps at this level are important, right, and every rep counts, but at a certain point you got to go, like, it, we're not doing ourselves any justice or any benefit by keeping him out there. So I think as you pointed out, right, making sure if Larry can go, that's his job to get in there, right? Like he's yeah. he's got to get in there and perform and, and do what he can. Um, you know, and, and so one of the other questions I have for you, right, obviously the young talent's important, but there's mm-hmm. some veterans on this team that the contracts are getting ready, you know, to expire. Obviously Jalen and Darnell Mooney are the two sure. kind of big names there. Obviously there's been some talk with Jalen about him and his his – agents and then his reps show me are, the money yeah i mean <laughs> but, right but we also have the trade deadline coming on tuesday right if, is there any rumblings around like if they can't get this deal done by the weekend do you have any thoughts on whether or not like ryan poles would be willing to make a move and and let some of that veteran talent go particularly jalen or mooney I don't necessarily see that. I think that an offer for Jalen Johnson would have to be something that he couldn't refuse. And I don't know what that price would look like. You're talking about a second round pick or something like that. I don't know what that number would be for him to say, I can't necessarily refuse that offer. I think he'd be more inclined to go and continue negotiations with Jalen and even continue him into the offseason where they'll have, you know, exclusive negotiation rights, at least for the first part of the offseason. And then he's also got the franchise tag in his back pocket. So if that's a, that's a, that's also an option for him, uh, for Jalen Johnson, if not a whole lot of other guys that he would be maybe considering using that on. So he's always got that card in his back pocket as well. He did invest in that position in the draft, uh, taking Tyreek Stevenson, taking Terrell Smith, and both of those young corners have uh, been serviceable to this point and seem like they have a lot of upside to them. But Terrell Smith has missed a lot of time. He missed time in camp, and he's, already, and he's been missing time so far in, in the regular season. So yeah, and you know it's it's one of the, one of those things of you've got obviously a talented corner who you know obviously he's just his two picks last week. He's, it's been a while since you know he's he's forced the turnover on, on his end, but from a coverage perspective, Jalen is a consistent performer when he's out there. Now there is a bit of an injury history, but I think it's one of those things like you said, right? At a certain point, you cannot keep letting talent walk out the door, right? And if you're trying to build up a roster and build up a team. Like you have to go, he can play, he can play, he can play. I got to keep these guys and then start building pieces around them. Right. And then the pass rush 
I think to me is still the more critical need that still needs to be addressed, right? You can pay Jalen and then go get someone up front to help on the edges and, and, and get to the quarterback and be okay with that, right? Like you don't necessarily, if you let Jalen walk, then you're creating another hole that now you got to go fill or you're relying on a guy in their second year, whether it's Terrell Smith or Tyreek. And it's like, at some point you got to go, we can't keep doing this to ourselves if we want to get better, right? Like yeah. the team yeah. is already not necessarily as deep as maybe some of the other rosters in the league. And the only way to get there, especially when we see all these injuries, right, is to just start keeping more talent on the roster. Yeah, I think for me, I have a couple points. So, like, one, you know, it, I think it will show itself in the locker room that you play well mm-hmm. you get rewarded. And, you know, that I think that goes a long way for guys saying, hey, we got a chance to keep getting contracts here. And number two is that jo- Jalen Johnson has this chance now. This is like kind of an audition, right? Because he's, you know, essentially I would say he's in a contract year. So, I mean, I, I don't, you know what? If he wants to show me the money every Sunday by pick sicking, you know, getting a pick six and just showing like put taking his helmet off and saying, pay me, great. Because that just says you deserve the contract. You know, like he has the time now to shine and really showcase like saying, I do need to get paid. So build your resume up, man. Like this is your time to go get it. Yeah, it works both ways. It works both ways in terms, if you're writing polls in terms of, you know, uh, do I want to sign him now or do I and, – and if you don't, that's fine, but then you risk the opportunity of him going on a streak where he comes up with five or six more picks and then the price goes higher and higher and higher. Yeah. And then you may be forced into a position where they'll probably will franchise tag. If that price gets too high for Ryan Poles, I think he'll probably end up tagging him. Yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah, and it probably just makes the most financial sense, right? Because if he finishes the year with seven or eight picks, right, you're now talking number one, number two in the league type money, right, Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. the average of the top five, right? And I think now you might be able to get him in that probably top 10-ish money range, right? Right. And at some point, you got to be smart about the financials, right? Like, you only have so much budget to work with, right? I get it. He To me, he's just – he's a – he's a very good player. It's just, to me, it's like one of those things where just reward. I mean, he's, he's been a very steady, he's had his injuries, but been very steady, very consistent player. Like probably one of the most consistent defenders we've had, uh, re- most reliable uh, de- defenders we've had. So, I mean, I hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, for him, it works out for the, him and the bears, right? Like he performs, he shows he's worth it. Pulls like, all right, fine. I'm paying you. Like you, you, you've done it. Right? You made your case and we're good. So Herb, I've actually got, so there's something Michael and I noticed after the game, we talked about it and I wanted to get your opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the half. It's the last play before the end of the half. Yeah. We're going to throw a bomb and a Hail Mary <laughs> and we don't have Tyson Bajan out there. We're going to roll out Nathan Peterman for him to throw the ball. And then as soon mm-hmm. as I saw that play, I said, I don't want to be the guy that says Tyson Bajan doesn't have a good arm, but what, what, what is the impact? Like you, you just can't. No one's not going to see that just happen and not talk about it. So I want to know what what's your what's your opinion when you saw that play, and you know you've been around training camp and you've seen been around the team. Is this just something that's just Peterman has a super duper arm and it would just made more sense to throw him out there versus? Bajan actually can hit these deep passes and he can have this. He's got somewhat of a dynamic arm. I don't think he's got a better arm than Justin. I could be wrong, but Justin to me seems like he can throw lasers. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to want to get your opinion. Yeah, no, that was something that was very, very interesting. Also, I asked, I asked Tyson Bajan that at his press conference right after the game. And I, I asked him, like, can you not get it to the end zone from 60 yards away? Because they would have been that throw would have been from about the, the minus 40 yard line. So I was like, can you not get it to the end zone? He was like, I got a cannon. And everybody else in the room kind of laughed, but he looked me straight in my face. I don't think he was playing at all. Like, he's like I got a cannon. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, he, he believes he can get it there. But I think that you go back to um, the week before and the game ceiling interception that he threw and his inability to get the ball down the left sideline to DJ Moore, uh, albeit with some pressure in his face. I think that kind of factored into the decision. He also referenced a pass that happened during the week in practice that he said came out of his hand kind of funny. Um, he couldn't quite get it down there. So I just don't think that, well, I know for sure the, the coaches didn't have confidence in his ability to get the ball down there. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made the decision that they made. That entire, se- that entire sequence before the end of the half 
was weird and it was very, very um, telling in terms of what they think he can and cannot do. I asked Coach Eberflus about um, the, the not using his timeouts. The Bears had three timeouts on that last drive and they got to the, where they were at 53 seconds left and he could have banged one. He chose not to. And I think he led like 20, 28 seconds or something like that, roll off the clock. And then it was third and seven and Tyson Bajan was able to roll out and make a play. He found DJ Moore with a very nice throw. And then now you're trying to see if you guys can go up and find a way to get some points, but you had wasted that opportunity. But all you told me then was we don't necessarily believe that this kid can get down there without making a critical mistake. We're already in control of this game. Let's not risk it. Let's just go ahead and call it a half. Um, that's obviously not the explanation that that Flus is going to give because he's always going to try and give you some, you know, word salad sideways backdoor <laughs> answer. But um, you know, it, again, it was it was very telling of what you can say. What you can say, whatever you want to say. Are we believe in him? We think he can do this. We think he can do that. But then you pull him because you don't think he can throw sixty yards, and you sit on the ball because you don't think that with three timeouts and, and 53 seconds, he can get you in field goal range. So, uh, you know, you, you judge people by what they do more than what they say. Yeah, I hear you. So I just, it, it was to me, like, just like you said, uh, I didn't feel like at some point they were willing to risk a mistake and interception for a touchdown or points. So they wanted to play it really safe with him. But I was just like, I the problem is like, we haven't really seen that, pop throw like you know you know deep 30 yard in or something where he I mean, it's because I, I this is how I talked to Michael about it after that game I was like for me one of the throws that kind of epitomized Justin's arm was in the Washington game at the very end of the game you had you know uh, DJ Moore make an outcut and then you saw Justin put it high and like on a rope and yeah. so the defender tries to close in and get a, maybe make a play on the ball or tip it that ball got there so fast and at the right place. The only yeah. player who's going to get that was DJ, which he did, and he just took off for a touchdown. That, like that's the that's what teams want that type of arm talent, in my opinion. I just haven't. I don't know if they just haven't. Beja doesn't have it, or they're just not letting him do it. But we're going to hopefully see maybe a little bit more of this in in this game. Yeah, I think that Justin has very rare arm talent. We've seen him make throws that very few people on this planet can make. Now, there's, of course, there's the questions about consistency and timing and rhythm and anticipation. All those things are, are valid. But in terms of his arm talent, I don't think there are many people, you know, on par with what Justin can do in terms of, of his ability to throw the football. So uh, I don't think that Tyson has that or Nate Peterman has that. And that's not a knock on those guys. I think that that, that type of arm talent is very rare, but you can still win with less arm talent than that if the game plan is structured properly and if you play complementary football. But that's as much about the defense being able to contain the likes of a Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and that offense as it is about what the Bears offense can do. They got to be able to run the ball, but they also got to be able to play defense because if this thing turns into a shootout or you get to a place where the Chargers got 17 first half points, now you can't talk about this dink and dunk thing. You got to let this kid drop back and try to throw the ball down the field. And that's when we're going to find out who and what Tyson Bajan actually is, even more so than than the small sample size we were able to see last week. Yep. And, and, and you know, if Bajan comes out and he just, you know, hair on fire and is just distributing all over the place, you know, Chicago fans, for whatever reason, it just seems like we cannot live in a place where we have patience anymore. Right. It, it, it's like it has to just go all the way in every single time. And, you know, when you were down in Tampa, we were talking about Iberflus and kind of, you know, what's what's the projection is like, does he make it through the season? You know, is it is it in the offseason? And one of the things that Andre and I talked about a couple of weeks ago was like the the impatience that Chicago fans have. How much of that do you feel like is the ghost of Matt Nagy and the ghost of Mitch, where it's like, the expectations were starting to raise and it's just so much frustration. And even as you said, like Flus is going to give you some weird answer in the podium. It's the same mess that we saw from Nagy where it's like, what are you actually saying? Like, do you think we're stupid? We can see what happens on the field, right? <laughs> right? Like we know what's going on. We've watched this team long enough. You do not have to be like the most knowledgeable football person to understand like, what you are saying at the podium does not match up with what is on tape, right? So, like, I want to get your opinion. Like, is the patience in the city and, and Bears fans in general, like, 
is is that is the Matt Nagy like weight of that? Obviously, I don't think that's gone, right? No, I think that it's 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 Matt Nagy, it's 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 John Fox, it's Mark Tressman, it's the you know um, thirty five plus years of poor quarterback play. And I think eventually it just comes to a head and the fans get tired of it. You keep trying to hit the reset button with different regimes, different regimes and Phil Emery and Ryan Pace and Ryan Poles. And it's like, listen, I think that eventually the patience just kind of runs out. This is a Chicago Bears town. People like the Cubs and like the White Sox and the Bulls and the Hawks, but everybody loves the Bears. And so eventually uh, the patience runs run thin. You want to see them be able to establish and maintain uh a winning culture consistently and that starts with the, the the quarterback position and it's the head coach and it's the gm and so the fans just want to see the bears get this thing right and they haven't been able to do that for a very very long time and the patience as you said is absolutely running thin but yeah i think it's it's certainly some of of matt Nagy and, and trubisky and you know you continue to see other teams get this thing right in a relatively short amount of time the the, the Bengals went from laughable to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and they were in the Super Bowl. Like, it doesn't take that long. You can go from worst to first in this league almost like that. And I think the Bears fans are just like, hey, when is it our turn? When are we going to get this thing right? Yeah, eventually we got to be due, right, at some point for this, right? Yeah. And and the one thing, you know you, – It's only been 35 years, Mike, so, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, you know. In that 30 30- – Listen, I'm a Cubs fan forever, so I, I guess I could have waited 40-plus years for them to get a championship, <laughs> but uh, – you know, you can only do that so many times in your lifetime. Like, for goodness sake, let's get this going. Right. But in, yeah. in that 35-year era, right, the one consistent thread, especially over the last couple of decades, was Ted Phillips, right? And now Kevin Warren is kind of in that big chair, uh, for lack of a better term, right? How much have you seen kind of the organization change now with him running the show? I think that you 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 kind of look for the smaller things to change and this the cultural differences and at, to see where he's trying to put his fingerprint on this thing and he talked about him coming in and literally wanting to sit down and, and have a conversation with every single employee of the Chicago Bears to find out what works here and what doesn't work here. Um, this is like we we kind of joke about it amongst uh, the beat writers, but it's kind of a, a it's kind of indicative of of a change of, of guard a little bit. The food in the press box has been laughable. And I mean, this embarrassingly laughable the entire time that I've been on the beat. And it's much improved. That problem is fixed now. And I think that it's a very small thing, except for when you go around the league. And I don't even mean it from a selfish perspective about what we get to eat in the press box, but just the level um, that, that this franchise is on compared to other franchises and how they do everything from elevator operations to, to the food. And I think that he he's come in with a a greater sense of how things should look and the bears have always just kind of looked internally to themselves but this is how we do it this is how we do it he's like well that ain't how nobody else do it and it's embarrassing for us to do it like that here all these reporters come from around the country national reporters be reports from other teams they come around it's like that's what y'all do here it's like yeah that's that's what we do here and it's it's, 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 it's refreshing to see somebody who kind of sees it the same way and wants to do something about it. Now, that has to translate down into the football operations part of it. But I think that certainly you, you can tell that this is a guy who, who understands what um, the elite franchises in this league are able to do everything from the small details to, to, to the winning. And so I know they brought him in here to build a stadium, but that's about doing a lot of little things the right way and I think he's on his way to doing that. Yeah, and and obviously you're going to be out at SoFi uh, in a couple of days, and and SoFi I think can yeah, be used as you uh, can be used <laughs> as a template for whatever, whether it's in the loop or out in the burbs. I think every suburb is now throwing its hat in the ring for yeah. trying to get the new stadium. You know, if Arlington, Listen, I think I think the one that they did in Minnesota is phenomenal. That Bank of America Stadium, it, it's it's probably my favorite one. It is absolutely phenomenal. Not only the way it looks, but the way it feels, the sight lines, the sound, everything about that place is is really, really well done. He was obviously, you know, uh, largely responsible for what happened there. And so if he can do something to kind of replicate something like that, that would be a huge win for the Bears in terms of what that stadium looks like and what they'll be able to do with it outside of just, you know, their own eight or nine games a year. Yeah, and and you know it, it boils down to still though, right? It, it's 
the stadium can be fantastic and you can have all the all singing, all dancing stadium. But if the product on the field is not playing at a winning level, the fan base, as we put, you know, we just talked about the patience is already thin, right? And it's going to be, then you're going to start getting, you know, the sell the team chance, which are starting, you know, already starting on the South side. Right. And now even in the United center after last night's embarrassing bulls loss. Right. Yeah. You know, at some point, Bears fans are going to start calling for the McCaskey family to be like, you guys got to go, right? It's never going to happen. And it's <laughs> it's never – it's it's the cash cow for that family. Why would they ever get rid of that thing? It's going to take someone yeah. with some outrageous, ridiculous offer to come in and get that team from under underneath them, and I just don't see it happening, right? So, you know, the fact that now Kevin Warren is, is running the show – you know, you've got Ryan Poles, and 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 I think Ryan Poles has done enough to buy himself. You know, even if Flus is gone and and Getsy's gone, to maybe pick another coach. But at some point, the product on the field has to, you know, be the selling point for the team, right? And you know, it kind of leads me back into to this game coming up Sunday night, right? We've seen teams like the Chargers where they get this roster, that, at least on paper, where you're like. That's a star. That's a star. That's a star. That's a star. And they can't put it together, at least not this season. The Chargers were, you know, a Super Bowl pick for a lot of people last year. They were kind of a, a sneaky pick for people this year, right? You know, it's how do you see as you watch more of the league, right? Like, obviously, Brandon Staley's got a Chicago connection from his time, you know, coaching linebackers under Vic Fangio. And how do you see kind of these other teams around the league when, the play on the field isn't living up to the expectation compared to like how Bears fans react to it. Cause that it, like I see Tampa fans and they're kind of Tampa fans have always been kind of used to like, well, we may be good. We may be not, but you know, mm-hmm. like you said, LA is full of transparency. So is here in Tampa where I'm at. And a lot mm-hmm. of them have allegiances to other teams, but I'm curious to know, like, like if when Philly's bad or the jets are bad or like the Vikings are bad, like, is the level of like frustration the same with those groups of fans as it is with Bears fans? Yeah, I think that there are certain places where, you know, the passion is different and the frustration is different. The love is different and so is the anger. And I think that the Chicago fan base is definitely one of those places. I know they haven't been able to have any sustained uh, success. And so it's not like they're a spoiled fan base. They haven't been able to be spoiled, but they do uh, have a great passion for it. And they do expect the team to go out and, and, and compete and that hasn't been the case and so i think that you talk about the parity around the league and any given sunday and you see you know the detroit lions go out there and they they down 35 nothing you know to the to the baltimore ravens and you know you just kind of see you know the, the 49ers and that defense and they get beat you see the the miami dolphins and, and and what happened to them um again against the eagles and so there's just some parity around the league that kind of surprises you the cleveland browns knock off the 49ers that, that type of stuff just happens on a week-to-week basis, but I think that, you know, it's about attrition, it's about being able to stay healthy, and it's about matchups at the end of the day. And so uh, you can put together a a nice group of individuals, but until those individuals become a team and begin to play complementary football, then you're you're gonna be susceptible to losing uh, on on, on any given week. Yeah, Yeah, so Herb, I I was just thinking about like, um, so just to go into that for this game, right? I, I thoroughly enjoyed the dominating run style it this was like a very yeah. reminiscent like we know they knew we were going to run and it didn't matter like mm-hmm. you could tell they're like it's a rookie quarterback we're gonna run the ball and i felt they're like it don't matter we're gonna just roll over you oh. and so Marcus it was pretty P- obvious no part of tackling last week well it just it was oh, very my. apparent that the raiders just didn't want to have any part of being physical on the team or there like after a certain period of time like they're like all right whatever just keep going so yeah. I expect some some of that power run in this game, but for you, what kind what what is the game plan? Do you think is gonna you know be draw or maybe it's two parts? What do you think is gonna happen versus what you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think I think they would like to stick to a similar game plan. I think I think that's their formula for success with the current group that they have in terms of the injuries up front, in terms of having a rookie undrafted quarterback playing his second start, first time on the road, primetime game, national television. So 
I think that they would like to stick to the form that they had last year, last week, where they were able to run the ball, uh, play uh, a ball control style, where they control time possession, where they get three turnovers, and you know they they able to do those types of things. But that, again, that takes everybody. You see, Cairo hit a 54-yard field goal to kind of put that game away, made it an 18-point three-possession lead. So uh, everything kind of has to go together for you to play that style. You can come in with that game plan, but if the defense gives up some early points, then you got to kind of chase those points back. And that's where things can kind of get away from you. That's when you start having guys on an island against Khalil Mack and he can wreck your game plan. And you talk about Joey Bosa being able to do the same thing. And so uh, it's got to be everybody. I think that will be their game plan. Whether or not it's able to come to fruition will depend not only on Luke Getty and Tyson Beijing, but it's going to depend on Coach Ibrifluz and that defense as well. Yeah, so before we get out of here, Herb, I got to ask, prediction for this game? Obviously, the Bears come in at eight and a half point dogs. Like, yeah. what, what do you see? You know, you, I know you've you, historically, you've you've kind of joked about this. Yeah, I've, you know, even I saw you on a CHGO with Adam Hogue and you're like, why would I pick the Bears? <laughs> right. I've seen this yeah. team enough. Right. Um, yeah. Are you still in that same boat? Right. Like you, you coming into this game going, I, I just don't see it happening. Or you think we got a shot in this one? I think I think the Bears have a shot, and I, I want I want to pick them, but I, I don't think I can. I think I've, I've I think I've had too much you know PTSD with this team in terms of thinking that they could do something that they can't. We all thought they turned a the corner out in DC, and they came home and laid an egg against Minnesota, and so yeah. uh, we think they turned a the corner again last week. And I don't know that they won't go out there and lay another egg out in LA, and so I'm going to pick uh, LA because again I think that's a high powered offense. You talk about. Justin Herbert and, and his 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 average game, his the worst game he's ever thrown in his career in terms of yard production, I think was a was a buck sixty-seven. We're all up in arms about Tyson Bajan, who threw for a buck sixty-two last week. So I mean, like the worst game Herbert has ever had is still, you know, five yards better than this guy that we've anointed as the next first battle of the Hall of Famer. And so uh, I think that, you know, Justin Herbert is gonna be able to put up some points that's going to force that kid to try and chase him down. And I just don't know that as a team, and it's not just on Tyson as a team, I don't know if they're going to be able to hold up and play that great complimentary style of football that they were able to play last week. And so I'm going to go ahead and take uh, the Chargers. I'll go 24-13. 24-13. So you get them the, get them the cover. I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I think I'm, I'm like in a 22-17. I think the Bears can keep it close. Right, especially if the defense can force a turnover or two, but I just don't think the offense has the firepower uh, to to keep up. And and obviously, you know, it's Bajan's still a rookie UDFA starting. Right, we've seen some good signs in the preseason, and we saw he did enough to win last week. But that doesn't mean going on the road against a one of the top quarterbacks in the league, even with a busted finger. Right, the Bears have not, at least in the Eberflus era beaten a pro bowl caliber quarterback either right like we just haven't seen it happen and i'm like i just cannot put my you know self in the position of like i think they can win this game it's like i've seen enough where i kind of project like i just don't see him getting it done on the road you talk about Keenan Allen and Palmer and the rookie Johnson out of TCU. There's some firepower on the offensive side of the ball. We talked about the pass rushes that they have. I know they've given up a lot of big plays in their passing game in terms of the back game, but that's, that's happened against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have done that to everybody, including the Bears, right? They had the same thing happen to them against the Dolphins, but they've done that to everybody. Uh, Justin Jefferson went out there and had a big game on them, but that's Justin Jefferson. He's capable of doing that. The Bears dodged a bullet where he wasn't even on the field, and they still couldn't beat that team. And so, uh, you know, you can you can you can pick at that at that Chargers defense if you want. Those things happened against some pretty good offenses. I think Ceedee Lamb and Ceedee Lamb was able to get you know well over 100 yards on them. And so, uh, I don't know that again as a as a team collectively the bears can just play the style of, of ball that will allow them to win i think they can keep it close too i think it may be you know 17 13 late but then they they get that they get that game ceiling touchdown and ultimately um they end up you know 24 13 or somewhere around there. i think they'll i think they'll play okay but uh i think everything worked perfectly for them last week to get the win in the way that they were able to i just don't know if that'll happen two weeks in a row yeah i feel that yeah. andre where are you at on this one Ah, man, this is this is tough because part of me feels like we have a chance and then I have to look in the mirror and go, of course we don't. 
Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm thinking it's going to be like, I think it's going to be less than the spread. I'm thinking like 24 or 20, but I think what's end up going to, if I had to kind of play this out of my head, I think I'm afraid the chargers are going to get out early and we're going to be basically like Herb's point. We're going to be kind of like have to adjust the game plan, which we maybe don't even know if we can do. And so I think we might get some points late, but I, I really feel like the Chargers are going to jump on us a little bit and then it's going to be playing catch up the rest of the game. Uh, it's just one of these things where you've got to look at where prime time and uh, we're going to see what this kid has got. Like if he can step up in prime time and, you know, with all these things and stuff, show me the cannon. That's basically me my mantra when I'm yelling at the TV, like, all right, man, you said it, you said it, you said it out loud. The locker room's like, all right. Uh, we need to see it because it, we might actually need that arm if we we're going to have a victory here. But I, I just think it's going to be too much. And like to your point, you know, I wish we had Herbert and Herbert. I wish we had our Herbert playing because right. um, actually I think is you know more of explosions. We didn't talk about really Roshan Johnson here and his effect, but hopefully he can come in and help with the pass protection help there. I'm afraid like he's just going to get hit in the head and get concussed again. Um, the guy can't like he he doesn't seem like one of those guys that can control himself to not get concussed. No, so, he's like Jaquan Brisker in that way. Yeah, like he like he's got one mode, which is like full speed through a wall mode, and uh, which is what you want in a football player, but not when you have a concussion history. So, yeah. um, that that's that's my call. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm I'm really happy it's in prime time because uh, you know we I want to see if if of all else fails. Right, we're looking at we know Justin's a starter. But if we can actually now have a kid that maybe can develop, it's actually an established, credible backup. Because that's something we haven't had in Chicago either. Like, all quarterback play has been pretty bad. So now if you can actually have a guy that you can bring in, because Justin maybe can't be healthy, or someone compete with the next guy that comes in. Well, no, if we get another guy, no one's competing with them because they are definitely going to be the number one or number two all our pick. But it's nice to have maybe a credible backup that you can bring in uh, maybe have some success with. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. And we shall. We shall. And I, I think Bears fans have to understand, right? Justin Fields can still be the future, especially if he comes back this season and plays well. And Beijing can be good. Both things can be true, right? Yeah, it's not an either or, right? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> right. have to be a one or the other. And I think the fan base is kind of that, that as we talked about the frustration yeah, level. I, I kind of feel like we're like team Beijing, team Fields is starting to like happen. Which is yeah. like, come what what like would wouldn't it be nice to have two good quarterbacks on the roster yeah. uh you know they're not saying you're going to split time but i mean justin has been proven he it's hard for him to stay healthy so it'd be nice like if you know you can bring a guy in and keep winning you know that that's just uh, that would be a great security blanket for any organization uh to have and so i don't i'm not in the whole like let's let's either or it's like jesus christ uh you know it's one game let him let him if he if he if he's the whole season goes and he wins the rest of the games, okay, maybe we can have a discussion about you know Tyson Bajan as the future. But well, he's he's just won one game yet, so let's see if we can do it another time. Yeah, just just one game. Herb, we appreciate you coming on, man. Let the people know where they can find you on in the socials and 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 the pod. I know you uh, were talking about you were just doing a recording out at Hallis today, so please, the floor is yours. No, I appreciate it, man. Thank y'all so much for having me. And thank y'all again for for, for uh, taking me out and showing me around in Tampa Bay. Uh, love hanging out with y'all. And I had a really, really good time. So I appreciate that for sure, for sure. But you can definitely find me um, on Twitter at HerbHower411. You can find me, uh, my work at It's The Bigs. Uh, you can go to thebigs.us and we've got uh, our YouTube page. We've done a lot of cool things on our YouTube page right now. So you can go to the Bigs Media's YouTube page. And uh, you'll find uh, my one-on-one interviews with Justin Fields, Jalen Johnson, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Kokomet, all those things are up on the Bigs Media YouTube page. So definitely stay in tune with some of the things we got going on. It's you know still relatively early in the season. There'll be a lot more uh, really good Bears coverage and content coming from the Bigs. So uh, definitely keep up with it. Uh, thanks again, man. And on that note, Andre, it is time to say goodbye to the people. Herb. I wish we were out there with you and so far we could hang out, have a good time, man, and enjoy yourself. And with that, see ya. <laughs>